Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. An anonymous tip led police to discovering the unmarked grave of 11-year-old Bradley Trevor from Bakerton, Iowa. Though police have been reticent to reveal details in the case, Bradley's mother did release a statement saying, Our family can start to heal now that we know our baseball boy is finally coming home. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, Constant Readers? And today we are continuing our Patreon selection series, our selection from Lisa Daly. We're covering Dr. Sleep, and we are reading through Chapter 13 with CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. Quick recap from our last episode, we caught up with adult Danny Torrance, who hit rock bottom before becoming sober, and he has been sober now for several years. We met the True Knot, a family of energy vampires whose main source of food is young children and secondary source of food is disasters. And we also met a little girl named Abra who shines as hard as Danny did as a kid, possibly harder. And she and Danny have been in touch via their powers. They don't really know one another yet. So we kick off this episode with Lucy again being woken up by Abra's screams. David is at a conference in Boston, so it's just the two of them, and we find out that this is not an uncommon occurrence, unfortunately. It's been less and less, Mm -hmm. at least, but yeah, sometimes she just has these nightmares that uh, are full-volume screaming, which I... I'm not ready for that as a parent, for sure. I'll tell you that much. So I hope that never happens to me. I hope she never has a nightmare ever. (laughs) Never. Have you ever noticed uh, your daughter floating spoons or anything? I have kept all the spoons away from her. Okay. Does she throw spoons? She's never seen a spoon, just in case. Josh. What? She's so deprived. Spoons are the best utensil for soup. Shut up. Okay, but this part is really cool because of... (laughs) Why she's having nightmares. <laughs> is it cool? It's cool. And I wish that we had more like intimate exploration of this aspect of her powers. The seeing? Yeah. She's yeah. having nightmares about things that are happening to people in the world. Like she'll dream about a man beating up a woman. because a, they're A one-eyed doll by the side of the road. Yeah. Mm. And over the years, her parents have learned that those things are real things that are happening. She's it's it's called the weird radio in her brain. It's picking up these signals of these just really unpleasant, awful moments from random people's lives. And she had had a lot of these. Joshi mentioned she doesn't have them as much anymore. And she stopped having them so much when her invisible friend came along, Lucy is thinking about. So Lucy is pretty freaked out because she's seeing a lot of like regression in Abra. She wants her stuffed toy that she hasn't seen for like four years. And we also find out that she sees ghosts, which she saw when she was four years old at a tourist attraction in Fraser. Which finally. (laughs) Okay, first, I want to start out this episode by reassuring everyone at the table here and listening at home I am enjoying this book. (laughs) I promise. It's just so much of this book 
kind of aggravates me, only because this is, as we discussed, a sequel to one of my favorite books of all time. Mm-hmm. So all of the, like, far-seeing and the the telecommunication, well, the tele, telekinesis and telepathy is in the first mm-hmm. book, but the, the far-seeing... That's not really what The Shining is or was in the first book. Like, that's not a part of Danny's thing, right? Well, kind of, because he, remember before they get to the Overlook, Mm -hmm. he has like a vision or something. Yeah. Like, they have to pull over. So I don't know if that could be considered. Yeah, I guess I, I always saw it as more connected to ghosts. It's, yes, uh, yeah. But she can just see violent situations. I don't know. So much of this book is like, (laughs) and also The Shining can do this. Oh, and that's great. It's just every time that some new rule was made up on the spot, I was like, sure. (laughs) Fine, I guess. Well, I like that it's essentially King is using this to make every supernatural ability be some level of the shine i think is Uh, yeah it's so much of this book feels like we've talked about before with uh carrions this feels weirdly like a superhero story Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not entirely sure it works for me as as well see i thought about you guys a lot while reading this next part because I've been editing our March Madness episodes and we've had a lot of conversations about how you guys really like the books with like the huge scope of things. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what was giving like needful things, for example, Mm -hmm. and it, I think that's what was giving me trouble with this. I still don't know where I land. (laughs) (laughs) Good thing. We've got another episode Uh, after this, you know where this episode (laughs) goes. Yeah. It's the end of a book. So I'm like, Fuck, what's going to... Okay, anyway, we'll... Jeez, we'll get there in a couple weeks. Okay, so, sorry. Oh, so this dream is different because it is a very upsetting to Abra, and she tells her mom that they are hurting the baseball boy, which we oh. know from the previous chapter that is Bradley Trevor. And here we find out that Tony is back. What? Yeah. What did you guys think of Abra mentioning her invisible friend, Tony, telling his daddy what she saw because she told him. Like, what'd you make of all of that? Having Tony back when he shows up in town and it's mm-hmm. uh, was a, a fun nod, mm-hmm. but also now thinking of Tony as something not controlled by Dan mm-hmm. is such a strange implication that now we it's Tony is not bound to just Danny. I, well, okay, I (laughs) took it as the same as we learn in the first book, Tony is Dan. Mm -hmm. It's just a subconscious part of his personality. So I thought it was cool uh, this way that they're like, they have this connection, but Dan isn't fully aware of everything that is is happening. I, I thought it was interesting how... Dan is still kind of using Tony to distance himself from the shine. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool uh, when she says her invisible friend is Tony. She has the same invisible friend as Dan as a kid, but also it's it's just Dan. Yeah. And, and it's and he's still a kid, 
which I thought I didn't know what I was expecting, but the fact that Tony's still yeah. that. I, I thought, I, and in retrospect, I'm definitely thinking of Tony from the movie. Uh, I was like, <laughs> she, he says, yeah. when, when Dan finds out that mm-hmm. she's been talking to Tony, uh, he's like, oh, it makes sense that she would reach out to, she's reaching out, she would want a companion closer to her own age. And I was like, wasn't Tony just like a full grown teenager? <laughs> From the miniseries. Yeah. I picture him floating next to a stop sign. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also, I, I don't know yet. I don't know if it matters or if we find out. But I was thinking about is, is this Danny's power? Like showing her this version of himself, like extending Tony as a protector? Or is she dipping into his head? I think, seems that like it's, I think that's what it's got to be. It seems like it's her, but I, I just thought that was interesting. Like she, because Abra is, they, we've said, they say it several times in this section, Abra is the most powerful, shining person like ever, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that her powers have so many of these small caveats uh, does make sense. And the idea is not unreasonable to think that, you know, subconsciously connecting to Danny and then when she feels in danger like feels threatened that if she has that two-way street Mm -hmm. with him like that was Danny's security and so Mm -hmm. it might have essentially just popped into her head that connection because he's an open book to her yeah I also love that she's trying to explain to her mom that Tony's dad works in a hospice but she calls (laughs) it a hospice yeah that's so cute and Lucy is at the end of this praying to God that uh, he breaks the radio in Abra's head. Which is, <laughs> is that a parallel? Okay, there's a lot of this in this section where there will be weird, just the way things are said make you go, wait, like in the first book, how is this connected? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. her begging God to smash a radio <laughs> immediately yeah. made me go, well, we've heard that before. I didn't even what think is, about that. Yeah. What is the... I, I think that. there is. I think there are a few other mm-hmm. things I noticed that are way more obvious than that. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. I have a real big prediction for the end of this book. And if it's what I think it is, it's the dumbest twist I've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've invented the dumbest twist ever, and uh, if it's actually in the book, I'm going to lose my mind. Okay, my twist might be dumber. Oh, We're oh going to do God. predictions we'll at the end. Yeah, Josh, you can't participate because you read it. <laughs> so now we catch up with the true who are traveling west along I-80 toward Colorado, where they plan to spend the summer. And we meet another member of the true, Jimmy Numbers, the accountant of the crew. <laughs> It's the first true not nickname that I kind of love. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I, <laughs> it sounds like like a mob guy. Like, oh, yeah, it's Jimmy exactly. Numbers. <laughs> I want, if, if I ever joined a biker gang, they'd call me Jimmy Numbers. <laughs> me too, but it'd be like calling big guys tiny because I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> call me CM Numbers. So we find out why Rose hesitated Pepsi when killing. Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> We find out why Rose hesitated when killing Bradley, which uh, I didn't even see coming. Oh, had no it, clue. Uh, would one of you like to explain what this, what the deal is? With I, this? I love uh, that as Rose was torturing this boy, she looks up and Abra's there, just like, he, or she can is sense, in her head, just, yeah, yeah, she yeah. can sense Abra 
in my head, <laughs> I have the, <laughs> yeah. but um, that's a big plot point is that they keep looking out of each other's eyes so they mm-hmm. can't see each other. They don't know what each other fully look like until they do. <laughs> uh, but she is suddenly aware of this girl in her head watching and she can feel Abra's disgust. And for just a second, she's like, are we the bad guys? Nah. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, it made me feel disgust. But I know that was her disgust, not mine. She also knows that this girl was looking from almost 1,500 miles away. So I'm really grateful that I mentioned that, even though I didn't know what it meant. And I'm sure that I missed like a thousand other things. So Crow Poppy suggests that they go after her now. (laughs) After all, like, I thought this was a really good argument. What if she gets hit by a bus, gets sick and dies? What if her parents get freaked out and take her to a psychiatrist and she gets pills that muffle her powers so it makes it harder to find? I think those are all really very valid, great points. But Rose disagrees. She is willing to roll the dice and let this one ripen some more. And they are on their way to Sidewinder, Colorado. Then to Florida, where Barry and Flick think there's going to be a lot of hurricanes. In other words, food. But for them, that's like fast food. (laughs) Cheap, not super filling, definitely not good for you, but it'll do in a pinch. Before we part from the true, though, we find out that eating children... really sucks. What? I hate these people. (laughs) Just the the ranking of massive pain. (sighs) You're going to hate how I phrase this next part. Oh, no. Eating children really turns their crank, refuse their <laughs> baskets. It's, it it's does. Awful. They it are, sucks. Anytime I think like, oh, maybe they could be cool, they're awful. So we pop over to Danny and Casey having one of their weekly sponsor sponsee meetings. And since I'm familiar with the program, the Alanon side of it, but we follow the 12 steps too, I'm curious what you two made of this exchange in the restaurant. I like it. I the fact that Casey's such a no nonsense kind of sponsor is one of my favorite themes. Because mm-hmm. I also think that that is that's the exact kind of sponsor that Danny needed, and the fact that it's the repetition of like these same questions, and Casey is very big on the accountability part of it. Of you, you know, you you drink because you're a drunk, and then calls him out later that he feels like he's holding that something back and if he doesn't finally say it to somebody then he's eventually going to find himself back in a bar with a bottle in his hand throwing away all the years of sobriety Mm -hmm. and of course danny thinks immediately the mama canny and says i'll never talk about it ever forever i love what casey says here when he's telling him We drank because we're drunks. It's not because your mommy didn't love you or your daddy beat you. He said, we never get better. We get a daily reprieve based on our spiritual condition. And that's it. And that's true. I'm not qualified to speak on addiction. I'm so glad that programs like this are there to help the people that they help. That said, I fundamentally disagree that teaching people that they are fundamentally broken is a good thing. That's not the point, though. Sure. It's just there's this part where he says, you know, do you drink because it's hereditary? And he goes, no, it is, though. You know that, right? And he goes, fuck you. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I I get 
why that's the it's just it's about the control because if it's hereditary or if it's because what mm, happened to you in your life you're robbing yourself of the control to manage it it sure it's just it's it i get it's it's part of (laughs) the the same reason i disagree with religious organizations the fundamental thing that they are teaching you is you are bad and you cannot be better Unless you go about things our way. That's at least the way it seems from my way on the outside. I completely understand that. I I have to respectfully disagree. Explain. Okay. It's not that at all. It is so much. The drunk brain is such Mm. that it's. You can ask someone in the program who's worked Mm. it successfully and they'll tell you, yeah, that's basically how, like, my. Mom, for example, will always say, first thought wrong. Like, that's just what you learn. The first thing that comes to my mind, I have to like reset and Mm. really think about because my brain is just wired that way. And it's like all of these little weird things that kind of seem like disempowering and kind of shitty sometimes. And like it's robbing them of autonomy is actually giving them autonomy. Okay. It's kind of hard to explain. Like I said, it's, I'm far removed from this. I've never Mm -hmm. had to go through uh, through this, so I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I am definitely not saying, (laughs) hey, these are bad things. These are objectively the program is good. They objectively yeah. help people. And there are and other glad they're there. types of but programs. But I know for that there are other. May, yeah. Because yeah. I, I really like this part because Danny, one of the things they're talking about is that Danny's struggling with the God of his understanding, which is one of the steps you, you admit your wrongs to yourself, to the God of your understanding, and to your sponsor. And that is something in Al-Anon I struggled with because I'm not religious. I'm like, the, okay, <laughs> the God of my understanding. Right. And it's just like that, again, that mindset shift of you, because in my like social work <laughs> trained brain, I, I don't want to think about giving over control or saying my life was out of control and I was helpless because mm. then what can I do about it? It's just a different way of kind of like approaching and phrasing those things. But it okay. all, all everything Danny's struggling with is just really interesting. And when Casey tells him, if you don't unload this, you are going to find yourself mm. at the bottom of a bottle one day because of this. He is absolutely right. There's like, you can't go in thinking, the things that I did or the things that I've been through or happened to me are more special than mm-hmm. anything anyone else has been through because it's not. Sure. <laughs> and unloading that is like the only way to heal. So it's all of those things like people in the program on both sides, that struggle is so familiar. And so this scene right here was like super real and cool. But what's really cool is that <laughs> – the waitress, Patty, <laughs> brings him to some dessert because he's too thin. And in case he's oh, like, what God. about me? She's like, you're a horse. I'll bring you a pine tree float, which is water with a toothpick in it. That's what Beaver orders every time they go out to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's I just love this part because it's a cool way to illustrate how like to us, how this place, these people this town it's home like this is danny's life and his life is really good so the briefly i'll just go through this really quick um casey also mentions the work that danny does at the hospice and that you know everybody knows essentially that he's dr sleep and he has a way of helping people not like annie wilkes (laughs) but this is 
This part's really smart because what Casey's getting at is that Danny's role at the hospice is to repay the debt he owes, like to make amends for things he did while drunk, but then points out, but there's something that you're you're not giving up. That's your step five. You need to do it. So he gives him the chance to tell him and he's like, no, I'm good, man. Nope. Never, ever, ever going to say it. So Danny leaves and goes back to his room to a message on the blackboard. They're killing the baseball boy. He tries to get more information, but Abra's not there. And he understands that she didn't come for him. She came for Tony. And that's where we get information mm-hmm. about like she reached out to the child part of his mind. Which made me feel safe because he is an adult man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which King, for once, he is very aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I love that Dan is so aware of <laughs> yes. it. Like, oh. Danny thinks about trying to find Abra, but naturally assumes her parents are going to be like, you gross adult man, <laughs> get away from my daughter. So instead, he writes back that he and Tony wish her a happy summer day. Danny decides to pay a visit to Billy. He spots Carling along the way. Takes a moment to think about what a piece of shit he is <laughs> and how they've stayed out of one another's way ever since the night of the altercation. And, you know, that's okay. And I still, I'm still worried that this is foreshadowing Carling doing something awful and I'm not looking at Josh while I say this. <laughs> uh, it's just making me really anxious. But what makes me more anxious is that there's something wrong with Billy, something that causes mm. Danny to spill all of his coffee when he sees him what's That's, happening it's so funny because the way it's, it's funny it, well, it, it's that billy it turns around because dan's bringing him coffee and it, the way it's written is it's straight from billy's dialogue that he's like oh coffee up oh, there it goes <laughs> yeah. and then that's when it jumps to dan saying that he saw the death flies uh just three or four small amount that but he saw the flies on billy and so in his time he's realized that that few flies means that something can be done. So yeah, so he like marches Billy into uh, the office and is and just lays it all out there. The scene is incredible, but it's just Danny telling Kingsley that Billy needs to go see a doctor mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and does Billy not elaborate. Like, but the, and this <laughs> is where it talks about that uh, in the the Al-Anon circle that. You know, you're not supposed to talk about the things, but over the years, Dan has helped other people like he did Dr. John and people have talked. So he knows that Dan has it and he's also trusted Billy's intuition all this time. So I love that Kingsley just goes with it and doesn't ask too many questions. Yeah, it's really cool. I like that Billy's like, I had a checkup in yeah. 2006 <laughs> yeah. and I had to like figure out where we were in time. Like, oh, that was five years ago, man. <laughs> Yeah, they they finally convince him, though, to go to the doctor and find out that he has, what is it, an an aneurysm? aneurysm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. An aneurysm in in his stomach, and if it would have burst and he wasn't at a hospital, he'd definitely be dead. Yeah, he basically saves his life, which, okay, I love this, because before the operation, he and Danny have this really beautiful heart-to-heart, and he tells Danny, I guess I owe you my life, and Danny... Says the thing I was thinking. He's like, no, I owed you mine from Mm -hmm. the first day we met. All I have is because your kindness opened the door to that. Billy rules. He does rule. (laughs) So interesting thing about Danny and his addiction. When life is rough, he hardly thinks of a drink. But when things are good, he starts to get thirsty. And he's leaving Billy. He's feeling good that like he saw the death flies. He was able, able to convince him. They know what's wrong. They're fixing it. 
everything's going to be okay, and he spots a roadside bar on the way home, the cowboy boot. Let's talk about yeah. Danny's struggle here. I, I love this scene. Um, he pulls in, and he's just, like, imagining all of the things in this bar. I bet if I go in there, there'll be some ladies. It'll be... Uh, and he picks up the phone. And I, I love this scene of him talking to his sponsor. And, well, he talks to... Talks to no, he, he yeah, because he talks Casey to Dr. Uh, because, the, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Uh, Dr. Uh, John, well, John Dalton. Who he knows from the meetings. And the... I just love the this friendship that they have. Like, this yeah. is the first time that I was like, oh, I, I like Dr. John. I love how Dr. John kills the tension of the moment instantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, what, what does he say? He's just like, oh, no. <laughs> he does, but if he does it in like a uh, woman-y, like a shrill, like, oh, yeah. alcohol. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening and reading. And Will, <laughs> so Will Patton is doing the audiobook, and it's, the, yeah, the... The voice that he does for him in this moment is like so comedically yeah. perfect. Yeah, it, it's it's written so well. It just demonstrates that level of like just two dudes who yeah. care about each other in and a genuine way. Keeping it real. Yeah. I love too that he's like, dude, that place is disgusting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're going to go down, like don't do it there. Yeah. Get out of there. And he stays on the phone with him until the cowboy boot is in Danny's rearview mirror. I did like that this is where we get that small aside that when he started drinking in his freshman year of high school, his one regret was he hadn't started drinking sooner because it dimmed his shine to a manageable area. And it, oh, it was, that's hard Mm -hmm. to know that that's how early he started. Mm -hmm. And John kind of picks up here that Danny's addiction is related to the shine. And that's kind of how the conversation comes about. So yeah, we, we kind of get this, insight into how bad things must have been for Danny just it never got good until yeah. until now until we're seeing him here Danny comes home to a message from Abra that she had a wonderful day and a buzz on his intercom that Azzy has been visiting Mr. Cameron for the last few hours so he might want to come down and do his thing but before leaving his room he calls out goodnight to Abra, and we're told that it would be two years before he hears from her again, which is a so crazy much jump. time jumping. Oh, I, I was love it. so this, and because this is the last chapter in this first section, I was like, something terrible is about to happen. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> not really. Well, not we, yet. Yeah, just two years pass. That's we, all. We do end with a really cool foreshadowing that, like, in my notes are like, oh, what does this mean? And we find mm. out in this section that we're covering but the last thing we get is that during those two years something slept in the true's bloodstream a parting gift from bradley the baseball boy i had no we'll get to it <laughs> yeah, but i, had I was no like what idea. the fuck does that mean yeah oh that was really good that was really good actually so that brings us to part two of this book empty devils it is 2013 and we are with conchetta Abra's great-grandmother, and she is about to break her hip at 97 years old, which is very, very, very bad. Mm -hmm. The Conchetta storyline here really got to me in a very real way. A few years ago, when my grandmother was still with us, she slowly came to Parkinson's disease and dementia and had to come live with my family and I and this entire the hearing 
about her breaking her hip Mm -hmm. and falling, hearing about how fucking awesome she is. She's a world-famous poet? Yeah! Yeah. Did we know that up to this point? (laughs) It's mentioned that she is a poet, Mm -hmm. but how renowned she is, we didn't know. She had read poetry for two sitting presidents and, like, is apparently amazing. And then hearing that, like, she's just not well enough to be left alone. Mm -hmm. The parts with Lucy taking care Mm -hmm. of her were just heartbreaking. Very real. Yeah. The other thing of note here is Abra's at camp, at summer camp, for another week. And Chetta doesn't want Lucy to tell her she fell because she doesn't want to interfere with her last week at camp. But, of course, (laughs) Abra Mm -hmm. knows everything, so that's not going to fly. And what she knows, though, is not what I thought she was going to know. Yeah, she calls from camp and says, I want to come home. Conchetta has cancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, Would one of you like to talk about how Abra's life is about to change? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Since her mom has gone to stay with uh, Conchetta, she's taken up some of the household duties. And part of that is, you know, taking in the mail, doing the laundry, stuff like that. And she brings in the mail and on one of these flyers, on the back, there's a have you seen me section, and she's looking over the children on that page, and she sees Bradley Trevor. She sees the baseball boy. So this, I I was wondering if the stuff going on with Conchetta was, and her mom, like, being, she's, like, basically living the life of a child with divorced parents for a while. Mm-hmm. If it was to set up a situation in which the repercussions of Abra's gift might go even more unnoticed by her dad and her mom and her her dad oh okay this freaked me out so i don't know if this i'm just reading too much into it she's spending the weekdays with her dad the school days but he's really busy taking a break from his teaching job mm-hmm. to write a book mm-hmm. one that deals with the past the 20s and 60s which super familiar <laughs> to me. Yep, this is another one <laughs> yeah. of those moments. It's like, okay, it's this a- is a parallel, but why? For what? In <laughs> I, I don't understand because they are not it, their relationship not similar at all. Yeah, either of these characters' personalities not similar at all. What are you trying to tell us? Stephen well, and King? then there's oh, there's one thing I'm holding on to later to talk yep. about, <laughs> which is probably the same thing you are. Yep. <laughs> So she's, yeah, Josh, you mentioned she sees this flyer for Bradley and other children, and she starts to think about how unfair and horrible it is that the parents of these missing kids don't know if they're dead or alive. And she knows about Bradley, at least. And she starts to think, like, is it my responsibility to help them? And so she she thinks about the things she did as a small child, things that she cannot do all of these anymore there are plenty of others she still can, like looking into people's heads. Not her parents, of course, because she's already learned that <laughs> when you read people's minds or when you like <laughs> look into their email or phone or journal, you're going to see shit you don't want to see. Yeah. And that's on you. <laughs> so she's learned to control that part of her mind so that she doesn't accidentally peek into other people. She can also plant suggestions that make people do things, but that scares her so bad that she doesn't use it. And now she is thinking about another talent she has, one that helps her see things as long as she has something to fix her mind on, which real quick on a lighter note, 
we get a reference to our favorite <laughs> King Boy band over there. <laughs> okay. Round here this for Mr. Is, Mercedes. <laughs> this is a good a time as any oh, to no. point out two things yes. that are I find very interesting. Okay. First, the, um, the this chapter title is called Empty Devils. Mm-hmm. Empty Devils is a book written yep. by Scott Landon. Like that, yeah. we, we, he, that's one of, that's, so we know that. That reference is is out there. Here's the thing that's interesting about having Round Here. Round Here breaks the universe because <laughs> Round Here is in Mr. Mercedes. In Mr. Mercedes, at one point, Holly watches The Shining. Oh. <laughs> Maybe huh. The Shining in Mr. Mercedes is a documentary about the Ofra look. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love to know where the title came from. Because it burns bright. It's shining. <laughs> it burns it was, I don't know. It was shining against the Colorado, Colorado mountains. That I just, is. I think it's wow. fascinating. And it's something uh, we um, listeners. I know we've hinted at our YouTube content that we're making, but I mm-hmm. had saved that tidbit for one of those episodes. <laughs> and I, just, I couldn't resist bringing it up now because I think it's really interesting. That's a good poll, Josh. So now things are about to get really strange and dark. Abra is going to use her talent. Which one of you would like to describe this b- insane scene that happens? Oh it- boy! <laughs> Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, she. D- dozen X-Men. And, <laughs> dozen X-Men. And she is focusing on on the baseball glove, right? She's focusing on the, the picture. picture. The She's picture. touching yeah, she it, yeah. She touches it and it's so small that she can't, she blocks it out and she can't see the picture except she can. She can see it mm-hmm. perfectly. And as she concentrates, she sort of starts to almost relive uh the the kid the baseball boy's last hours she sees him going into the the cabin of this winnebago or whatever but doesn't see very much because he gets tied up on the floor but she does see several things that help her know where she is she sees a water tower she sees some signs and at one point she has to rewind yes! to the memory, That's, which yeah. is insane. She uh, <laughs> has to concentrate and it's even harder to make it wind backwards. I'm just like, just watch I, it again. I, I <laughs> when it, she says it to Dan, Dan's like, you what? can fucking do that? Yeah. Uh, but she, she, she rewinds and she clocks the sign for this ethanol plant in the middle of Iowa. And she knows that that is where Baseball Boy is buried. Yes. And she sees that Barry picks up the kid's glove and puts it on and mm-hmm. messes with it. Barry the chunk. Barry the chunk. Which is the Thank best. God. Much better. Yes. We're we're going to continue to just call him Barry the chunk. Yes. <laughs> chunk daddy. <laughs> it's a tribe of daddies. <laughs> a, a couple of things I want to mention here that are kind of cool. And I don't know if any of them will be super important. But she is... Right-handed and uses her left hand, though, because it's stronger. And she picks up these details about Bradley. Like, he had blue eyes, just like one of the guys in over there. And <laughs> he also used his left hand for his powers. And it's just, like, the the little details about Bradley, this kid who's, like, her age, are 
just kill me. And the worst is the freckles. Oh my god! His, his mom yeah. told him freckles were good luck, and then she wonders if freckles fade underground and vomits. Don't like you should think That's, about that. Oh, it's no. so, but it's so awesome. <sighs> the writing wise, the content isn't awesome, but it's just such right, a yeah. Oh, such a powerful dark thought. Something even crazier is about to happen, though. Abra is looking out her window when the world starts to shift uncontrollably. The mental image <laughs> yes! that that brings is so good. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. All, all of a sudden, she's was looking out her window and she's thinking about all this. And then she's in a Sam's and just walking in around a grocery store mm-hmm. and suddenly realizes that she's seeing through the eyes of the woman who killed the baseball boy. And it was, she senses Barry nearby, which is how she got there. Mm-hmm. But a more powerful mind, Rose's, drew her into her, like not necessarily on purpose. Sure. And, this is another one of those cases that I'm like, the rules of The Shining <laughs> are whatever Stephen King feels like. Okay, I, I, I can get on that page. And then there's the Rose feeling back to who's in her head. And Abra sensing that and screaming at the top of her lungs, get out of my head. And then an earthquake happens, yeah, basically. Yeah, causes an earthquake only on her block. Yeah. David is literally shaken out of his work. And, okay, what did you guys think of the way his thoughts are presented to us? Because he kind of seems like, and, and by the end of where we're reading too, he's not so much, but he seems like a bastard here. He, he thinks about this telekinetic crap. He's worried primarily about his book and missing signs that Lucy would have seen. He refuses to check his own mail. Like Abra mm-hmm. has to be like his wife. Refuses while she's to check his, he doesn't check his own fucking a- mail. <laughs> check your mail. I don't think that's, I, I feel like that is unwarranted a little. <laughs> like that's just, you know, I got on doing- a roll <laughs> and I just had to throw it all in. I, he just, Oh no, he is he's weirdly dismissive yeah. of stuff. Yes, thank uh, you. He's oblivious, but sort of intentionally yeah. seems. I wonder if he feels so fucking useless. Because he is. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh because of everything Lucy's going through and Conchetta and I don't know, I mean maybe he feels like this, if he can just write this book, it'll turn everything around yeah, for the family. Yeah, that sounds fucking familiar. And <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, he's just really focused on maybe it. Maybe it's Jack's fault. Maybe I'm being unfair. <laughs> okay, so we were with Rose the Hat for a few minutes before she and Abra are rummaging in each other's heads when she's having that realization that someone is looking inside her head. And I love the way she reacts. I thought it was, I could picture this very clearly, and it was scary and then hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she knocks over a bunch of cans because she gets fucking <laughs> thrown back, thrown yeah. well, by a mental scream, blast. Yeah, I. But I love right before that she's so decisive. She reacts instantly. She doesn't take a moment to hesitate at all. She stops and investigates. She's trying to figure out what this girl looks like. And yeah, it's when Abra screams mm-hmm. as she falls back into the cans, and some guy's like, "Are you okay, ma'am?" And she's like. Oh, yeah, just uh, had a tooth removed the other day. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, this gets into, like, how these characters are so fucking hateful. The amount of entitlement. Someone else has to put it away. (laughs) (laughs) That too. So such a fucking inconsiderate boomer thing. No, it's the the like entitlement that she feels. She thinks of them not as like the kings and queens of creation. Mm -hmm. She thinks that unironically 
gross. That sucks. You suck. And she thinks, you know, how dare this little girl be more mm-hmm. powerful than me? How dare she? And I think it's not here. I think it's later that when she's talking to Crow about, mm-hmm. like, they could fill every single canister they have mm-hmm. with the with the power she has. And Crow makes a comment about turning her. And in her head, she's like, I would not fucking allow that. Yeah, she'd usurp me in a second, exactly. and I'm a piece it's, of shit. Yeah, it ben, is. They're millionaires. It makes sense. God, I fucking hate them. <laughs> every it last is. one of them. Crowpop is making valid points, and Rose tells him, get input from a few others, like some some people in the group that are smart and we trust, while I continue to think things over. And then... I'll let you guys take this. We make our way to Bluebell Campground, the site where the Overlook was burned to the ground. It's so fucking cool that that's where they, they've built a new, there's a new resort and it's an RV park. I didn't know. And I didn't know I, that was going to happen. I fucking love that. When I first read it, it took me by surprise in such a <sighs> fun way. God, we're going to be back there, aren't you we? Were wa- you were waiting for the strong connection back yeah. to the original. H- how did it hit you guys, this reveal? Honestly, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I I, I didn't feel, I, I don't know. I guess they're the ghosts haunting this, you know, haunted place. Uh, Stephen King, uh, King's idea of places being bad. This is Draws just people a, to makes them. Sense. Yep, yeah, exactly. It's just a bad place. So, of course, these ghost, vampire, whatever these people are are drawn to it, I, I guess. The more we get about it a little bit later, yeah. makes it a makes it feel more real, like more strongly connected to the first book. I don't know. It uh, it felt more like fan service than sure. anything to me. So before we learn more about that fun block party, we're going to get a better one <laughs> with people I wish were my neighbors because they're <laughs> like, "Hey, there was an earthquake. Let's throw an let's, earthquake block let's party." Let's party about it. Yeah, so Abra pretends to be a normal kid as hard as she can for this cookout and then gets permission from her oblivious dad to go home and finish her homework. And Lucy calls later that night, and she can tell something is up with Abra, but of course David reassures her that he's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) That was cheap, you guys. That was really good. (laughs) You're so adamant. It's so great. I, I just like the, it, it's okay. No, it's, it's okay, honey. I'm it's stupid. okay, honey. I'm, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Abra goes upstairs to try to figure out what to do next and gets a surprise. Well, I would say visitor, but it's not. I guess it's more of a vision, but it's very upsetting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just Rose the Hat's face is on the other side of the glass in her room, but it she has a night flyer tooth. Yes, I was going to mention that. Thank you. Oh, that's so great. Uh, this breaks the rules. Josh, you're a big fan of um, sticking big, to the rules. Yeah, this breaks the rules. That how does she see her? That's I'm when very... all of the the far seeing has been through each other's eyes. Right, because we don't know here that Rose isn't looking at her. Mm-hmm. We find that out much later that she wasn't there. Yeah, it, it's just right. a vision. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's fascinating though it's that creepy. Rose, yeah, she sees. <laughs> She opens her mouth and she has one giant, in case anybody hasn't seen the Night Flyer, which you should, mm-hmm. she has a giant tooth and that's it. Just a giant single tooth in like the center. Like a tusk. Yeah. Okay, I didn't, see, I did not imagine <laughs> it as a literal giant tooth. Oh, I, I just imagine it as she has just one remaining tooth. 
It says like a tusk. Full, yeah, it said. <laughs> oh, that's so much worse. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It like extends out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Abra, when she sees this grin, she knows that Rose is insane and that this was the last thing Bradley saw. And Abra screams inside her own head because she can't scream out loud. And she screams for Dick Halloran <laughs> to come back from Florida. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, yep. I, lo- I, th- I love the that scene. Was really it's good. such a this is such a cool scene mirroring that moment. Yeah, because she she realizes this woman is going to come for me, and there's only one person who can help me. Tony, get your dad. I need help. Danny is with Billy when this happens, <laughs> and thankfully Billy was operating the train, and we get this really like touching bit about Danny growing up with Wendy and how she. Always kept food on the table, but they never really had much of anything. And now, like, he he can drive this train, too. And something that just made me really sad, Casey had asked him at one point how much Wendy knew of his drinking. And he said probably more than he realized. Mm-hmm. But he never beat her up, so that might have helped. Oh, it also just bummed me out that it's, I think it's right around here that he realizes he doesn't know if Dick Halloran's alive or dead. Danny's handing things over to Billy to park the train in the barn. When his head explodes from Abra's cry for help, and he comes to with Billy standing over him, concerned, and for the first time, he realizes how he must have hurt Dick when Mm. he was, you know, testing his powers on him that one day in the car. Uh, But it seems so much more powerful, right? Yeah. Because Dick was driving when it happened. No, they were sitting in the car, and and Danny Danny pulled out at the last minute, so he didn't blast him full force. No, I meant like the at the end of the book when he. Oh black. no, Dick was. Uh, no, he had a rose moment. He was in a. He was in like a cafe or something, and there oh, were right. and there was a stand. the oranges. Yeah. The, the orange stand, and he's like, <laughs> "Huh, that's it." Oh God! <laughs> Billy asks him who Tony is. He said that name when he was passed out, and Danny lies, of course. Billy knows he's lying, but he lets it go because it's it's not something about how he might be dying. So he's like, yeah, hey, I'm good. <laughs> and I just, I again, I like this part because it shows how Danny is at home and everybody just accepts him and trusts him. Interesting thing here, he's thinking about the harm he did to Dini and her son by doing nothing and thinks about how he was harmed along with his mother and thinks that his father hadn't been the on- only culprit. So... I just mentioned this because while Wendy and while Wendy and Dick mentioned in that first part, they had made a point to say like it wasn't Jack. Seems like Danny does place some responsibility more so than Wendy and Dick on Jack. Yeah. Just that's how I interpreted it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just thought that was interesting. And I I, I wonder if that's like the alcoholic mindset too. Could like be. you're responsible for your own actions. Mm-hmm. Danny thinks about Dick telling him that when the teacher is ready, the pupil will appear. Remembers when he first. Met Dick, how lonely he was and scared and thought he was the only one and just how how good it felt that Dick named that thing inside his head, The Shining. And he's thinking about all of this because he needs to make a decision. He knows that a grown man contacting a girl can be dangerous, but he also knows that she needs him the way he needed Dick. He relates this to some of the work he did with Casey and a few others, interventions for other addicts, basically, and how they'd had a few successes and sometimes... It was a bust. Doors were slammed in their faces. Someone might wave a gun at them. Another AA rule is you can't keep it if you don't give it. And that's like what sponsoring and interventions are all about. Abra, of course, is one step ahead of him because when he goes back to his room written on his blackboard is her email address. 
And with thoughts of to catch a predator in his mind, he <laughs> emails her and says, tell me what's wrong. All right. Well, oh, here's okay. the thing. Did you write down what Abra's email address is? Yeah, it's Kadabra. Yeah. It's- and it's and Dan, like, he gets a, a good chuckle out of it. And then he creates a new email address that's just for emailing this. And I'm saying he picked a screen name that was a waste when Alakadan was on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wished for all my might that that's what it would have been. Okay, so we're going to jump to the following Saturday afternoon outside the library because Danny and Abra are going to meet for the first time, Josh. I, it's such a smart idea. Like the, <laughs> It is someplace in public. Abra has already concocted the story of you're my father's cousin uncle but we call you well, uncle dan yeah he yeah so you, but you are your uncle dan and n- enough people don't know his side of the family enough there's only one busybody person that if this woman happened to see us then we'd be kind of <laughs> fucked but otherwise it's just i'm meeting my uncle it's such a weird i don't know why this made me go Huh, how come this is the first time they're meeting? I don't know. It's their their connection has been so so strong that I I don't know why. I cuz it feels like cuz they've been interacting. Yeah. So the fact that this is the first time in person is just, it's strange to think that over all these years it's just been chalkboard. Yeah. So Danny's telling her about the shining which I love that she loves it. she has a name for it. Because she thinks it's a good name, The Shining, because I've always thought of it as a dark thing. I love that when they're talking in their heads and she starts using basically cartoons to send images. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's such a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) It fucking rules. Not a good idea if you've seen Skinamarink. (laughs) (laughs) We, okay, so basically this meeting is the exposition of things we've already seen. Mm. So I wasn't going to spend too much time on this section since we already know all of this, but they, they're wrapping up their meeting, and they come to the correct conclusion that the woman in the hat will probably come after Abra because she's food. And Danny thinks that the only way to protect her is to get rid of the threat. And he asks her if she can put an alarm bell in her head, and she's like, I, I think I might be able to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get there. They part ways, Danny on his way back to work, when he finally remembers what about the hat stuck out to him. He thinks about seeing it in his first night in Fraser and how Dini appeared to him dead with a warning to stay away from that woman. And I, so far, okay, <laughs> that doesn't really mean anything. When he gets back to his room, I feel like that's going to mean something later, though. Sorry. Anyway, I'm like <laughs> arguing with myself. So. When he gets back to his room, Abra has left him a message. Thank you for believing in me. And on that note, the relief of someone else knowing Danny decides to look up Dick Holleran. He just, he just Googled dick, and it, it <laughs> took him a while, but he figured it out. <laughs> Had some results to set there. Uh, I thought yeah, it would be quick, but... Before, <laughs> before, before, like, Dan first thinks, I wonder where dick is. I It didn't, it blindsided me so bad. There's like, yeah, he hasn't talked about mm. dick at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right, Josh. It's really sad. Yeah. Like, their their connection at the start of the book, of this book, seemed so good. Yeah. But the fact that we find out that it's been 15 years since mm. Dick passed, mm. and the fact that Dan is 10 years sober also <sighs> gave me a feeling. It's heartbreaking, because like it it's like, uh, mm. Wendy and Dick Never. didn't know he was okay. Yeah. Although, the one comfort that I did have was that 
Danny figures that even though his mom, he and his mom weren't at his bedside when he died, he was probably surrounded by a bunch of women. So yeah. He had he a heart attack alone. while fucking. That's how yeah. he died. <laughs> but before Danny started this search, he prayed for Dick. So we'll see what happens, guys. Danny is, oh, you guys, my favorite part. Shortly after <laughs> this, this fucking woman. <laughs> yes, Danny is buzzed down to the room of the classiest, most delightfully vulgar old woman I want to be someday. <laughs> Miss Eleanor Ulay. Danny calls her Miss Ulala, very fitting. And before she dies, uh, she tells Danny that she's has she's had visitors all day long passing through. And tells him how great his ass is. <laughs> and if she were younger, she'd ravish him in front of a crowd of cheering onlookers. That kind of confidence is something I aspire to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's going to be dead in five minutes, so why not go nuts? <laughs> That's my That's... bucket list, to really verbally rape some younger guy. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> so aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, no, I this woman is great and it's it's why she says she's like, "Oh yeah, I've had people coming in and out and passing through," she passing says through, specifically. And yeah. uh Dan's like, "Nah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. No, like he has not. He takes a second to think if his interaction with Abra earlier had just drained him so much he didn't <laughs> notice and then he's like, "No, she's probably going crazy." <laughs> So she tells him that the lights are going to go off, the bathroom door is going to open, and that's that means that a visitor has arrived. And Danny's still not sure he believes her when she just dies mid-sentence. Also a cool way to go. Mm-hmm. And then the lights start to flicker, turn on and off. His watch stops, and he waits. And a voice comes out of her dead mouth, and it says, Danny, and then we are with the fucking truth. <laughs> Getting pulled away from the scene is so, so annoying. Uh, so we're at the stupid Bluebell campgrounds. I, I mean, the, the scene is just essentially Rose putting the strike team together. Mm-hmm. That's going to, you know, she's selected her inner circle of the, what, nine people she plans yeah. to send it's to get at. Basically the nine characters we know. Yeah, exactly. And that she, <laughs> and she says, I know she's somewhere east. But I'm just going to get into her mind while she's sleeping because she'll be completely unguarded. I'll be able to find out where she lives. Every detail about her. I can maybe even plan a suggestion in her head that when we show up, she'll just get in the car. It'll be easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. <laughs> That's, so the, was the true always the like this tax haven for all of the ownership of the Overlook? See, that because they hmm. did imply... In The Shining that people didn't actually yeah. know where the money came from. So that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. I think it that's cr- Yeah, it could be. That's crazy. Because yeah. they've they just been around always... for a long time. Because it also said they never bought the park, but that the park was built. There, There's never, yeah. they own it, but it was never mentioned that they, when they bought it. Mm-hmm. So that is a very interesting thing. Huh. Oh, we also, quick reference that, I don't know if it means anything. Um, Jimmy Numbers is joking about being the grandson of Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. (laughs) And Grandpa Flick smells awful and has the best, most disgusting comeback when someone points (laughs) out. It was a vile. It's so good. I'm not going to repeat it. It's worth worth reading the book. Yeah. (laughs) 
So Jimmy researched something Rose picked up out of Abra's head, which was Lickety Spliff, (laughs) and figured out it was slang for a New England convenience store chain, Lickety Split. And so they now... It's really funny when they get (laughs) someone to, like, they find out where it is. They're like, Lickety Spliff. It's a slang for... Uh, going quickly or whatever. It's just like <laughs> yeah. not correct no, at yeah. all. Makes you go, oh yeah, they're, they're a bunch of <laughs> hundreds of year old ghosts. <laughs> of course, they don't know what a spliff is. This does let them know, though, that she is near the mountains. So that narrows it down to six gas stations. And Rose looks at pictures of various mountain ranges, narrows that six down to three. And then she has a plan to further narrow it down because she's going to visit Abra in her sleep. So finally, we are back with Danny, and Dick is coming out of Miss Ulala's mouth. Dick getting inside a woman one last time. <laughs> I'm so proud of him. He deserves Jesus it. Jesus, it's Christ. the way he wanted to go. Yes, I love that he tells Danny that he grew up fine. It's like, thank you, yeah, Stephen King, yeah. for that. Was uh, I didn't know how much I needed that. I so did you guys. I also love this callback. Danny's like, okay, what's something only we would know? Yeah. So I know it's really you. And then he, it's the, uh, you asked me why she wanted his pants. Because <laughs> that woman, the passing thought of, she would like to get in his pants. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting. Dick tells Danny that he can't stay long because it hurts to be here and that this place is a dream of a dream. And considering he's not appearing to Danny in the form in which he usually experiences ghosts. Dick's not a ghost. I, I love the message that sends. Yeah, they're the they explain it as like they're the people who won't accept that they're dead. And mm-hmm. I think Dick, having lived his life with The Shining, probably was like, yeah, no, I know he, that there's something next, yeah. and I'm I'm heading out. I'm ready for it. Yeah. yeah. And then the fact that he is crossed back from mm-hmm. whatever this next mm-hmm. place is shows like the the strength of their connection yeah how important danny is mm-hmm. to dick i think illustrating that by letting never having him appear physically and it's only of like the mouth doesn't even move on the woman's dead body the voice is just mm-hmm. coming out that shows it feels like that takes all the effort possible and that's the yeah. most you could get Danny finally asks Dick his question, who are the people Abra is seeing? Okay, a lot of information is given here, if only anyone realizes it, which I didn't until later chapters. Would one of you like to explain all this information about the Empty Devils? Uh, well, the most disturbing thing is Dick points out if they'd even gotten wind of Danny when he was a kid, he would have been eaten by now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he, he, extend, he tells Dan... A lot of stuff that we know that these people feed off of the the shine and that when he asks where they are, he mentions they're in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> Is this knowledge that Dick has about the true not otherworldly ghost knowledge? I think so. Because there's no way Dick knew about no, the true so. not. Because he also tells him to have his friends help and he wouldn't know who his friends are because he died 15 okay. years ago. So yeah. I think it's, yeah. Because he, he also mentions that there's only one way to stop them, to make them eat their own poison, which predicting is going to have to do with the people locked up inside Danny's head, maybe. And They need to come take their medicine. Oh, no! <sighs> he has one last message for Danny before he goes, and that is to repay the debt he owes. So let's talk about the plan Danny starts to form and who he's going to involve. Oh, so 
he gets Abra's permission to bring Dr. John in on this. Mm-hmm. I do love, there's that moment when they're meeting outside the library and they do have a weird geek out moment when they're like, you know Dr. John? It's very <laughs> cute. He says we're going to bring Dr. John into the loop and we're going to go get that baseball glove and then we'll bring it back and let you use it to find out where they are because we have to take the fight to them, essentially. It's the only way you're going to be safe. I relate really strongly to Abra here in her romanticized moment because, okay, embarrassing admission. I can be a bit of a sucker for young adult novels with a girl in a love triangle and <laughs> monsters. And she's like, Uncle Dan is kind of handsome. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, a 12, 13-year-old girl would get a crush on like a good-looking, powerful, nice older guy. Well, and it also makes sure she's like thinking about like the Twilight books and stuff. Yeah, she's, like, don't in, say Twilight. Into... better ones. <laughs> <laughs> it's genre-defining. You have to give it that. Um, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like... I like that it's <laughs> the supernatural thing and she's like always she's a fan of it, but has never placed that on herself. <laughs> yeah, like, it's so weird. I love that. Again, King, because from her perspective, this isn't gross. And I'm really glad King is conscious of that mm. in this book because we do not have a rainbird moment. Yes. No rainbirds. No rainbirds. So Abra gives permission to tell anyone but not her parents <laughs> And Danny's like, okay, but like, yeah, we're going to have to eventually. This next section is really going to establish two strong, powerful women being out of the picture for what Abra's going to go through. Basically, she's going to be surrounded by men, and I'm a little bit disappointed by it. Maybe it's for the best, like write what you know and King's a dude, but why do we have to push Lucy and Chetta out of the picture? Yeah, I hate it. It's... I I hadn't thought about it that way, but it definitely is like, I like Jetta and Lucy so much more than David. (laughs) Why is this put on him? Yeah. And maybe that's where some of my irritation with him is coming from, too. So Lucy is calling from the hospital. This section is so bad. This is the part that I, I was talking about because she calls and talks to David and she's basically on the edge of breakdown she fell again Uh, she fell again yeah she she's on the way out like she uh a fall breaking your hip is bad Mm -hmm. it's it's a very bad thing and she is because of the pain lashing out uh she She shatters her arm mm, and she falls and and she she screams at lucy like how could Mm -hmm. you hurt me like this not because you know of anything other than she's a mindless animal in in such immense pain and lucy just basically says i i can't keep doing this anymore Mm. i related to Mm -hmm. that after watching my my family go through very similar uh, situations, and uh, as she's saying this, she hits me with something that I was like, "Oh, how did I not see this coming?" She says, "I <laughs> I was talking to some people, and we're gonna have to take her to this hos this nearby hospice, hot spice, uh, <laughs> that a room just opened up. So they are putting Conchetta in the hospice Which where is, Dan. Yeah, works. maybe my anger will be for nothing." Hopefully, I will happily redact it if. <laughs> so they're Lucy and David are trying to spare Abra as much of this information as possible, but she's like, 
upstairs getting ready and has picked up all of what her mother has been saying. So now we are going to pop back over to Rose, who has a very important day ahead of her. I can relate to her so hard in this moment. She thoughtfully puts a sign on her door that says, do not disturb unless absolutely necessary, which never works. <laughs> You've ever had to do that. People do not care. And there she is just going to be interrupted constantly. She's trying to prepare herself for this like mental colonoscopy. She's clearing her body and mind of everything. And she's she's going to get inside Abra's head. But there's a knock on her door. To be fair, everybody who interrupts her, it's a good reason. <laughs> these, these are all do knock in these. Instances. I don't know. I feel like they could have just made this decision on their own and she would have been fine with it. Well, they they had to. She's the boss. They have to get her permission. Well, on... it's her fault for not delegating more. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. The, Let's the explain one, why they're one knocking. call. One call is about they found a medication. They found, yeah, they found a, a medication that will put Abra out if she's as powerful as they think she is, but will not make her overdose. So they're on the extreme side. So that's the first thing. That the, they're going to ship to like 30 different places. Yeah, the, it like bounce this package so it, there's no trail. Uh, the next is that Grandpa Flick is dying. And the fact that earlier in our reading, we talked about somebody else dying. But because the true are immortal, the fact that two people are dying within two years is mm -hmm. crazy to them. And then the last thing is that uh, Jimmy Numbers back at it again, and he has narrowed down to the exact street Abra lives on because there was an article about on that same day, there was an earthquake that was not registered anywhere else. It's so There was an strange. earthquake party. Yeah. And so all of these interruptions give her all of that information. But oh. now that she has the block, Rose is like, yeah, I can find her absolutely no problem now. This is going to be even <laughs> easier than I thought it would be. Let's pop back over to Teeny Town for a minute where Danny is meeting with Billy and John to see if they're, well, if John will take a trip with him to Iowa. And he is going to ask them in a unique way. This part, I don't know. I kind of zoned out uh, <laughs> here and again later on. It's th this middle section. There are a few instances of characters recapping the entire yes. plot. Like five times. Like mm -hmm. five times. And I real they all ran together and I, I don't mm -hmm. don't remember much of it. The the cool thing is how he convinces John of what he and Billy can <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, like he, the he's one of them is he's holding one of his, his seven month chip mm. in his pocket, and he asks Billy what he's holding in front of Doctor John, and he narrows it down. He gets really close. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's I, I can assume it's one of your AA chips, and he's like, yeah, okay. And Doctor John says, oh well, you're. you're Right, yeah. Doctor John is like, well, he's been sober however many trying years. Trying to help narrow down what year, and he's like, yeah, I, I know, but no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's probably seven months, or, and it, he holds it out, and it's six months. Yeah, it's like and so Billy's close. really disappointed. Yeah, in himself. he's like, oh, I'm so good at guessing, and it relaying like how he came into contact with Abra and Billy pulls the town she lives in from yeah, the ether. Cool. And so the, just a lot of that here, it's right in front of your face. I thought it was a, a great scene of, because you wonder how, do you, how are you going to talk somebody into believing all of this all mm -hmm. of a sudden? And I thought it was a good, a, a good example of utilizing having Billy there to sell the point. 
Yeah, I I didn't quite understand what that was at first, but yeah, that's a good deal. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. <laughs> it's a good deal. But John, in the end, decides he'll come with him to Iowa to find the the baseball boy. Mm-hmm. And we, when he asks Danny though how he knows Abra, we come back to that moment in one of the first AA meetings, which I thought was cool. I just want to yeah. mention this because he shows him that he wrote her name in his book when she was two months old. Just like yeah, oh. like you can't fake. That I, yeah, he's like, unless I faked the entire book, and you've <laughs> known me for long enough, you've seen this in my hand. Mm. And so they're they're gonna go to Iowa. And it's John... completely impossible to write a thing <laughs> on a previous page <laughs> in a notebook. I don't. I also thought of that, but I was like, if John's not gonna think about it, mm-hmm. I'm not. Gonna well, he it. mentions like, you know, I didn't write it in later because of where my next entry is. I guess. And I, I, mean, I felt like I just couldn't picture what he was talking about. And it was on he me. Must, he must have written it on the line below it so that he couldn't write his next meeting on that line at all and had to. Yeah. So unless I, he'd skipped a line all those years ago to write something out. <laughs> so John and Danny are going to go to Iowa. Billy is going to go to Aniston. So we are back with Rose. We're doing a lot of jumping back and forth. She has not been interrupted again. And it's too early to peek inside Abra's head because she won't be asleep yet. But as soon as she is, Rose is going to get in there, pick up information, and plant some suggestions, some that she figures Abra is going to detect and disable, but she thinks that she can get away with at least a few. She's really confident, despite knowing how powerful Abra is. And meanwhile, Abra is talking to her mom about Momo, picking up what Lucy is really feeling. It's basically that she's failed Chetta. It's just super sad. Mm. And Abra wants to make her mom feel better, but she doesn't have the ability to change someone's emotions. But she thinks Danny probably does. And that's what he uses in the hot spice and thinks that he'll help Momo when the time comes. So she gets off the phone with her mom and Dave kind of parents her for a second almost. (laughs) (laughs) He seems out of touch and dismissive still to me. She's like, I'm sad and Momo's a glass ornament and our lives are fragile. And it's like, this is like a Ben Folds 5 song. And anyway, Dave, okay. <laughs> Dave mutes the TV for a second. And he's like, because I was thinking, oh, he's going to have a conversation with her. And he's like, she's an old glass ornament. So she's been on a lot of Christmas trees. It's okay. People can't live forever. Give me a hug. Go to bed. He's not lying. So she goes to bed. <laughs> But not before checking in with Danny. The plan is a go. She sets her alarm for the morning and then does something that I, I did not catch on to until this part. Something that I find worrisome. Yeah. She's about to set the alarm. She's concentrating while she does it. And she starts rubbing her hand over her mouth just like Jack. <laughs> <laughs> the second this happened, I immediately was like, I swear to Christ, if this little girl is haunted by Jack Torrance, <laughs> I'm going to lose my entire mind. Oh, I don't think that's I it. I don't think that's it. I have another guess. Oh, is this your theory? I, oh, my I have about a theory okay. in uh, yeah, it is oh. about and it is the dumbest guess. If it is real, I'm going to lose <laughs> my mind. I'll throw my game face on just in case. Okay. But you. are we saving it for later? <laughs> I, I, do you mind? Okay, I'll say right. we'll save it for later. All right, so Abra is not just setting alarms. She has another idea, and Rose is about to find out the hard way just <laughs> what Abra has in mind. You guys, what happens? Rules. <laughs> Again, we get uh, rooms are filing cabinets, brains are filing cabinets. Uh, mind palace. Mind palaces. Uh, Rose gets in, and she thinks she's going to be able just to take her time and leisurely check out all the files she wants to. So she 
opens a drawer, sticks her hand in, and then all of a sudden, uh, like, burglar alarms are going off, and the drawer slams back shut, trapping her fingers inside. It's so fucking great. (laughs) And she's not alone. (laughs) She, She turns back and... Abra is now uh, Daenerys Targaryen (laughs) (laughs) and like charges at her with a lance. It's so fucking cool. I'm like, you're in my world, bitch. Let's do this. Very suddenly, Abra is just like, oh, I'm a complete badass now. She she intends to kill Rose Mm -hmm. for what she She did to the baseball boy. Yeah, she could have if... Rose wouldn't like she pulls so hard. Rose she's like thinks fast. Yeah, she like strips yeah. the skin off of her fingers as she pulls them <sighs> out of the drawer. We didn't mention this, but Rose, when she gets inside her head, she describes it as like a turntable mm. going down this dark corridor, and she suddenly feels because Abra's now gone. She feels a fluttering inside her head and knows that Abra's in there looking through her files. I fucking love it. <laughs> and she flips the tables again, and you know they get thrown out of each other's. Heads, and so she knows Abra has learned about them, but she just she doesn't know how much she's learned. I, the the like fury that Rose feels is so maddening to me. Mm. That ah, how dare someone do to me what mm-hmm. I can do with impunity? Mm-hmm. Because she I'm <laughs> a rich conservative white lady, <laughs> uh, and I can do whatever I want to hurt others. But how dare someone do it to me? Mm-hmm. Fuck her. <laughs> the audacity you would hurt me. Yeah. Rose leaves the RV for some fresh air because she's very shaken. Her hand is physically damaged. And she gets about two minutes of fresh air when Crow comes to tell her that Grandpa Flick is dying. So I'm so happy that I, I'm proud of myself for catching this, even though I didn't know what it meant. But this is where we find mm-hmm. out what's happening, what that mm-hmm. parting gift was. I was that so got. happy when you pointed it out. Because I, I didn't want to point it out <laughs> yeah. and make you pay attention. So, Josh, set aside that this is your second read. Mm-hmm. Did either of you, like, were you both surprised? Completely blindsided. I, yeah, surprised. Yeah, explain it, and then I will explain <laughs> why it's dumb. <laughs> well, Bradley, I, so I had mentioned in the first episode that Bradley, they mentioned, like, twice he was focused on this red spot on his arm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't catch on that it was like an itchy red spot. So I didn't think of yep, him I... having the measles. It seemed more subtle than that. But basically the true is infected with the measles, even though it's been like two years since they took his it, steam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the true are hundreds and hundreds of years old. They've never, they, they survive on eating children. They've never eaten a child with a sickness? With the measles? When they've existed for hundreds of years before the measles vaccine existed? But before they eat Bradley Trevor, it's earlier there that they talk about several of them just this past year have gotten colds and they never got sick before. So they have eaten someone mm. with the measles but it hasn't affected them. Yeah, it's okay. just they're, they're they, just they are finally sick being enough susceptible enough. Okay. They're, they're weak enough. Okay. Yeah. Cuz I <laughs> thought about that uh on the drive over here. I was like, "Wait a second. The measles the measles are so old. like right. the measles vaccine hasn't been around nearly as long as the true knot has. Right. Well, and, and they never expected that this could happen. Well, I mean, they've never had a reason themselves to be vaccinated because they 
never get sick. Hmm. And hmm. they've eaten people across all of history with all plethora of diseases and never gotten sick. So Grandpa Flick is going to die, but his death is broken up by a scene between Abra and Danny. We're just going to go through it all here, though, if it's okay with you guys. Yeah. Hmm. He is starting to cycle, and Rose tells Crow that they can only afford their traditional mourning process for two days instead of seven. Their mourning process is so fucking cool. I think it's awesome as hell. Yeah, it is. It's it's neat. It is traditionally seven days of meditation and abstinence. And then uh, there's a big group gathering. Everybody brings a physical item either from that person that was given to them or something that just makes them think about that person. Then they share like a memory about them. Then they bundle up all the things people brought forward and they bury that because the true don't leave bodies. Anything stand out to either of you about his death that you liked? I I just think that the visual of cycling is so creepy. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just like a ghost flickering out. They become see-through. I think it's not until Barry's cycling later (laughs) that someone's holding, Crow Daddy's holding his hand and Mm -hmm. can see the bones through his skin. Uh, It's very creepy. It's eerie imagining these people disappearing and wailing. I like that it sounds like it hurts more than anything in the world after all the terrible shit these people do. I like knowing the the end of their existence is the most agony you could imagine. I also liked Rose tries to catch on, like latch on to one of his thoughts or connect with his mind. And it's just all of his thoughts are broken images. There's nothing to hold on to. And they talk about giving him a shot to help. And Nut is like, (laughs) it wouldn't, it would just, fall through his cycle onto the bed. (laughs) So Rose tells Crow she can't go with to get Abra because she knows her, not realizing that she's already seen what she looks like in a vision. But again, I feel like this is Rose's pride here getting in the way because she wants Abra now more than ever. And Crow is, he's asking about that. And she says it's because she might have immunity to the measles. And if they take her steam, they could get that immunity. But based on how many people with, at least some of the shine like Dick and Danny have encountered that we've heard about. Couldn't you just like go Mm -hmm. find another meal that would be easier while you're continuing to work on this plan? I don't, I don't know. I think, I think the vaccinated part is Mm -hmm. it's just wild grass. Yeah. Yeah, I think what she knows, what Rose knows is that the amount of steam from Abra might be enough would be enough. Okay. And that's kind of what they're banking on. But I do agree. It's just grasping at logic straws. Mm -hmm. So Danny wakes up to a very excited message on the blackboard. Abra is so thrilled that she got Rose. And she's a badass. She is a badass. But the way Danny reacts to it makes me concerned for her badass. (laughs) She she has a temper like someone we know that Mm -hmm. rubbed his mouth all the time. Whatever that means. <laughs> so again, we we get brought up to speed. Abra tells Danny what she found out about the true. Oh, can I point out a wicked cool phrase though? Yeah. Okay. Danny's picking up on her thoughts and she's picturing a collage of the like missing kid posters and wondering how many were taken by the true to feed on their final psychic gasp, the obscene delicacy. Ah, <laughs> real good. <laughs> the next morning, Danny and Doctor John set off for Iowa. As they eventually make their way toward Freeman, they have an interesting conversation about addiction in Danny's past. And we get a line from the gunslinger here. Do, mm. <laughs> do what you guys think. Earned, not earned. I 
It's so, like, you can't say those words. <laughs> yeah, it is fan service. Uh, a yeah. lot of this book is, I think, just fan service. Because, um, yeah, he he's talking about passing on. And he's, like, talking about his past experience. Is this where he tells him all about the, yeah. the Overlook? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, tells uh, that, you know, I stayed at this hotel and things went bad and I see ghosts and other things and I know there are other worlds than these. <laughs> and yeah, neat. <laughs> it, 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 I don't know, didn't hit me. Didn't hit me the same. I, I like that phrase so much that I enjoyed it somebody say like it's something that we use in conversation mm-hmm. yeah. so normally now so i like that it's just treated as a normal line it makes it feel i like danny so sure. <laughs> i just yeah <laughs> it was sure. coming Fine. from his mouth didn't bother me but it it pulled me out of the book it yeah. did. for a second yep. i do like that at this point he thinks about we he has the conversation we had while reading the shining which was did Jack have the shine? Yes. And I did like is that. Is that why his drinking, like, did he do, did I do the same thing my dad did, essentially? John asks him why he told him all this, and Danny's like, I want you to know what you're up against, essentially. So if you want to bail, I'm not going to hold it against you. And John points out that if he did bail, he'd be on his own. He's like, I have Billy. And John's like, yeah, he's old. And i bringing this up because I love this line. Danny's like, you know, Billy would argue, if you said something like that to him, that the good thing about getting old is that you don't have to worry about dying young. And that actually brought me (laughs) comfort. I was like, let's get old, you guys. Let's get old. It's going to be great. (laughs) Okay, we jump to later this evening. Danny and John got some supplies, took a rest at a nearby hotel, and they are on their way to dig up a corpse. But they're not alone. Dan linking with Abra and letting her essentially pilot him mm-hmm. to the location is so fucking cool. And it's just really funny that, you know, Dr. John is only hearing the <laughs> one side of the conversation he's having with Abra. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the communication is so strong, even this far away, fucking cool. They they find the place. They, you know, they take all these precautions at a place that's very clearly abandoned. <laughs> but they sneak in and Abra literally pilots him to where he's standing on the site they buried him on. And they spend the next 20 minutes digging up the baseball boy. It is gruesome. It's upsetting because like Abra eventually she's like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's already seen this. And, but before she leaves, like she had started to cry and Danny's eyes are filling with her tears Yeah, and he's shivering because she's in bed shivering cold the part that stuck out to me about unearthing Bradley Trevor was the description of the glove. The When Danny finds that, the lovingly oiled pocket was full of squirming bugs. And then me and Danny threw up. The, f- the fact that they buried him with it holding, him holding it across his chest, essentially. Like, they tried to give him a burial that looked like there was any reverence and that just that made me even more disgusted i couldn't stop thinking about danny throwing up at a crime yeah Uh, (laughs) good job dan well to be fair they know they can't call it in for the next because they have to rebury the body which is also Mm -hmm. heartbreaking and then you have to say well we have to wait you know maybe six months before we can call anybody because we we sure stand out probably in people's memories if we call now. Mm-hmm. And that just, oh, it sucks. It's so hard. So Danny 
finally says, we're going to have to bring Abra's parents into it. And she starts screaming no into his head. And he's like, do you think that they will hesitate to kill your parents? And she can't really argue with that. So now it's Thursday morning. And uh, while this was going on, the true picked up some porn, which (laughs) we'll get to, but I don't know if I'll understand it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Reading it the second time when she sends him on that errand to go get porn. I was I, I was like, I know this does mean something, but what the fuck? And then when it happened, I was like, oh, right. It's, it's just such so a small detail. weird, though. They're trying to shock Abra into slipping up by, like, they know she's going to peek inside Barry's head, and they're all going to be mm-hmm. watching porn yeah. when she does then it. She, then she can't spy if the only thing he's looking at is that. Sure. Oh, yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking that that's all she'd see. I, well, <laughs> yeah, because Andy was like, oh, she's in for a surprise. I thought they were trying to, like, no. yes, make no, her mess up. Yeah, I agree. They're trying to, like, shock her into letting her defenses down. Because, as we see, she is going to be not where they think she is. Right? That's part yeah, of the plan. Yeah, pretty much. There is one moment that I do, I thought I would point out, and it's that... Jimmy pulls up the photos of three girls. They've narrowed it down and they come across Abra's and these people with the names they have make fun of Abra's name. (laughs) Yeah. So Abra is going to tell her dad what is up. She's not pregnant. That's his immediate thought, which I feel like any dad would probably have. Sure. Yeah. It's worse than that, actually. And it's a really brief conversation. Josh, being the only dad here, uh, what do you think of this scene? It's, well, it's very weird because David also, there's the luxury of having known the things she can do. Mm -hmm. So when you have, if you have a daughter like that and they start saying a crazy story, there's, you're on a certain playing field, I think, that Mm -hmm. makes it a little easier to understand. I think any parent's worst nightmare is a revealing that their child's been talking to a grown adult without their knowledge. It's just like a horrifying yeah. thing. Since they were two months old. Yeah, yes. <laughs> very young. When John and Danny get off the plane, John notices he's missed like 30 calls from <laughs> one number. And Danny's like, yeah, that's probably Dave because Abra told him. But just wait until we're like closer, until we're on the road. No boy, when they pull up, Abra runs. Yeah. Into Danny's arms, yeah. which if I were Danny, I would be like shining no, her no, like no, 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 not a good time, not a good time. <laughs> and then David pulled out a gun and shot him. End of book. <laughs> so while we'll get to their meeting, but while this is happening, this is when Jimmy narrows it down to these three girls on the block, and they're like, "Oh, well, this one looks steamy, and she has a weird name, and she skipped a grade, so it's probably her." So they pretty much know who it is. This, again, is more exposition. Danny, Dave, John, Abra are all catching each other up to speed on everything that's happening. The The part that I really thought was cool was Dave is upset with Abra because she's been hiding her powers. And Danny's like, maybe she shouldn't have to. Right. And I thought that was yeah a, a real nice moment for Danny. Because it, it's knowing that he she talks about just pretending for their sake mm-hmm. that everything's fine. But he's like, you know, it's it's time to let David know how serious this is mm-hmm. because now all of their lives are on the line. And then really the the coup de grace is when they give Abra the glove. And it was it's she dials into 
Barry, which then dials into Crow's entire plan. Like she's able to tell them they're going to kidnap me and take me to Sidewinder. And I love that as soon as that happens, Danny's yeah. like, oh, uh, fuck, I'm going back. Yeah, it's like I can feel that I'm going back. The 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 empty devils are in your childhood. Yeah. He's like, oh, fuck, it was literal. Yeah. <laughs> and she also knows that Barry is sick. Yeah. It's not doing so well. And Rose tells Barry, like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I just let you guys come home and, but you really have to get her. It's more important now than it ever was. And he's like, yep, I know. It's fine. <laughs> and he knows he's going to die. And Jimmy numbers is starting to get a little itchy. Yeah. And even Crow feels hot, but he's like, it could just be because it's hot in the Winnebago. <laughs> Maybe I don't have a fever. Yeah, very quick to deny. Yeah, at one point, he like one of them touches uh, Barry's mm-hmm. hand and immediately is like, I should wash my hands. And then <laughs> immediately is like, oh, what the what? fuck yeah. will that do? <laughs> We're stuck in a Winnebago together. Right. Like, we all mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. They talk about the plan, which we don't know yet, because the plan for us is going to unfold in real time. Uh, I just like that Dave's like, I don't want to use my daughter as bait. And Danny's like, hey, let me make a quick call. Billy, you out there? And yeah. then he comes in like, 30 seconds later. And he's had a gun this whole time. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Billy the bodyguard. Yep. So before we leave them, Danny has more uneasy thoughts about Abra's angry side. And now we are at part three in the last chapter of this episode. We are with the true. They're, they've got the medicine. They've made their final stop. They Barry tells them he's locked on to Abra again. He still doesn't know her name, though. And he's sick enough that Abra can hide some of her knowledge from him. And I can't tell anymore if Abra is afraid of Rose. I feel like she isn't. I feel like Abra is so overcome. Abra is being kind of like Jack Torrance in that she is overconfident in her skills and abilities. Uh, Of course, like Mm. she's going to be fine because she's uh, so, so goddamn powerful. This, okay. Can I just go over the plan yeah, and we'll, we'll, to get to to the finale of this? So essentially, uh, they send Abra to school, calling ahead of time to say she got bad news about her Momo. So tell the teachers not to if she's distant, whatever. And all the while, she is projecting herself into Dan like she did piloting him mm-hmm. for the baseball boy and talking to her dad because they're on the teeny town trolley on the train going to Cloud Gap. The ruse being they're going for a picnic and it's in an isolated location. So the true will go there. But unbeknownst to the true, uh, Dr. John's in the backseat of that train with all the guns. <laughs> and it's just adult men that are all on this tiny train together going to the park. <laughs> and her stuffed rabbit. And her stuffed the rabbit. focal point. Like, yeah. The chunk. Very cool. Okay. Can, can I talk briefly about my dumb theory? Yes. yes. Interested to see if we have the same thought. <laughs> okay. So we kind of touched on uh, Lucy's mother had her out of wedlock. They don't know who the father is. Dave, while well, Dave and Abra are, well, Danny Abra, Dabra, are talking <laughs> on the train. Uh, Alakadan. <laughs> Alakadan. Yeah, you're right. He's telling her all these family stories. And I, okay, for reasons I can't defend, my theory is that Abra's grandfather is crow because everyone else has a name that describes them rose wears a hat jimmy numbers is an accountant barry is a chonky boy and crow is a daddy 
And this is a sequel to The Shining, so we have to have some bad dad shit, right? Or granddad stuff. If I'm wrong, it's King's fault because um, he no. gave him a stupid name. You are <laughs> adjacent to adjacent your <laughs> to my theory. I think that my theory is that uh, Lucy's dad, Abra's grandfather, is Jack Torrance's dad. I thought that was going to be your theory. <laughs> I they, they have Josh to, is they're just related. looking down at his phone. They're He's they're related. Listening. They are the twist ending of this book is going to be Danny and Abra are cousins whatever that would make them <laughs> yeah which i hate <laughs> if that ends up being true i'm not looking at josh's face <laughs> i, mean I refuse to it i i am going to throw this book out a window what if my theory is true <laughs> it's equally dumb but that won't at least i don't i don't know it's gonna be they're related in some way at first i thought <laughs> My first I thought hope was not, that she thinks he's cute. Oh, this is going to oh, be a Star no. Wars moment. <laughs> oh, Skywalkers. My first thought had been it's going to be her granddad is Jack, but I don't think the ages match up. Mm. That would be dumber, I think, <laughs> to, to be like, oh, and by the way, Jack had a, an affair in Maine or Connecticut <laughs> or wherever they are, and we never knew about it. But yeah, I think, I think okay. it is Jack's dad is. Abra's grandpa. Josh, welcome back. Thanks. Okay, so let's... <laughs> <laughs> so who's right? I wasn't listening. I was reading. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> do you just, let's just talk let's about the it. final showdown, you guys. Fucking Cloud Gap. The only important thing, the only important reason to leave Cloud Gap, like we could just throw this out there now, is that when the trap springs, Abra's like, we did it, and breaks the plan by going home. So stupid. She's Abra, just like, I don't no. need protection anymore. They got it, and leaves. Yeah. That's the, the only reason we need to jump back with Abra. So essentially, this plan has gone off without a hitch. Uh, Barry cycles out, so Barry's dead before this even starts. The RV pulls up, and Dan is sitting there with, holding a gun inside the lunch basket, and he sees the RV pull up, and very normal touristy people coming out and he's like i don't i don't want to kill just like a, an old dude <laughs> yeah and then he sees the weapons in their hands and the he sees syringes and he tattoo. sees the snake bite and he's like game on and then man <laughs> action sequence. action sequence like they call out that she's not you know they think abra's here she's not and it turns into a fight and i love that he points out how thrown off and flustered there because at one point Andy is charging charging Dave but the cap is still on the needle and he's like mm. these fucking idiots and then he's like oh wait they kidnap children all the time they don't expect this kind of resistance but man the the group shoots and kills Jimmy uh, Jimmy Numbers uh, and then the other one I, I love Dr. John Nutt Oh, nut, yeah. I love that Dr. John tackles Dave into the charging yeah! Andy <laughs> Just pushes her in, and then he uses the stock of the rifle and cracks her in the jaw and breaks her jaw. Doesn't mean to hit her that hard. Yeah. That's the adrenaline, sure. Mm -hmm. And I also kind of wonder if kind of vampire rules apply. Like the theory of, like, the reason staking of you can stake a vampire so easily is because their bones aren't as solid because mm. they're, they're dead. No, of any calcium. Mm. Yeah, whatever the, that theory is. But, like, they are physically like if they were without their powers would be frail and i'm huh. wondering if that's huh. part of this is that 
he did strike her very hard, but was maybe more force. She's taking on more force. Anyway. Well, and they're all sick. Yeah. Mm. And she she ends up having a like a brain bleed that he later sees, which is fucking oh, cool. Oh, she's cycling, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they kill everybody off and they are celebrating that for a moment. And that's when... Uh, Dan hears Abra yell in his head, where's the crow? The crow is not there. I love how Danny, like, tries to stealth inside the RV to see if crow's in there. He dives into it and hits his yeah. head on something. <laughs> and then he's, like, looking for all the places you'd, as a kid, you'd look for a monster. Yeah. The boogeyman. Mm. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's great. <laughs> he, he gets a visitor, sort of, by accident, because Rose and Abra are going to reconnect again mm-hmm. as Abra's trying to warn Danny that Crow's not there, something's wrong. And she's and uh when we jump back to Rose, she's thinking about how even more people have shown that they have spots and she's already mm-hmm. stressing out. And then gets that psychic blast that several of her true are the true not are dead. She tries to call Crow, but he his phone goes straight to voicemail. And we also found and, out that he can't tele- telepathically communicate with people. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have that kind of power. I don't yeah. know what Crow's power is. Don't they all have, like, something? It's being a daddy. Oh, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> He's an exceptional daddy. <laughs> uh, and so they find nobody in the RV, and Dan comes out, and they torture Andy because she's... They don't torture her. They well, Dr. John tries to... Well, okay, Danny tortures her. Danny tries yeah. Dr. John yeah. tries to help her. D- Danny's just trying to reset her jaw for her. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he tortures her into saying, we're asking where Crow is, and she says he got off in Aniston. And that's when they know this did not go their way. Danny tells John and Dave that he can't see Billy anymore, mm-hmm. and he can't see Abra. And Dave is understandably upset, but that is literally... All Danny knows. And that's where we leave off. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be finishing Dr. Sleep. For Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, the ass of a man is the piston that drives the world. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Dr. Sleep Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. Who do you guys think is Abra's grandfather? Is it Jack, Jack's father, or Crow D- Papa? Tell us on Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. You can also send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon for bonus episodes and early releases, our Etsy store for cool merchandise, and our Discord for fun conversations. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.